0: My name is Louise Gardner and I'm the Founder and Managing Director of Pledge Consulting and, of course, the host of the PMO and Project Leadership Podcast. This short series is titled the PMO Masterclass. I'm going to be talking to PMO leaders from around Australia and the world uh, and trying to find out what are the common elements in PMO success. The PMO Masterclass series is sponsored by Pledge Consulting's new Elevate programme a five-month professional development program designed to take project and PMO professionals to the next level of their career. In this episode, I'm talking to Jim Livesey, UK-based PMO leader and founder of PMO North. In this very wide-ranging chat, we talk about Jim's success with PMO networking and put the world to rights on a number of PMO hot-button topics. Without further ado, enjoy Jim Livesey. Okay, so today I have the absolute pleasure and privilege of welcoming Jim Livesey. Jim is a PMO management veteran of more than 13 years. He's also the the founder uh, and the leader for the last four years, four and a half years of PMO North. So without further ado, Jim, thank you very much for for joining me. Um, Been really looking forward to to our chat today, Um, not least because you're from my part of the world or not far away anyway. And it's always nice to speak to somebody from from home. Um, So welcome. So I really just want to kick off by having you tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know a bit more detail about how long you've been involved in PMO what what you're actually doing at the moment and um, yeah tell us a bit about yourself
1: cool thanks Louise that's a lovely introduction and I'm um, it's my pleasure to be here uh, chatting with you um this, today as well and and when I came across you originally it was quite surprising that uh, we were so close neighbors a long time ago mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have to say that um um, over my career, I've been in Australia uh, on, a, on work sort of events, uh, work do's uh, when I was in the telecoms uh, sector. Um, so I'm familiar with um, Sydney uh, quite a bit. But I've been, let, me, let me tell you uh, some background about me and uh, what I've been up to and all that sort of stuff over my long career. I've been in the project change world for 30 plus years i started off uh, with um, british telecom that was my main sort of area that started with uh, and uh, as part of that i was uh, working i did well i did an apprenticeship with them and, and as part of that uh, um, i moved in very quickly into sort of the project activities uh, uh building infrastructure and stuff like that so so that was my sort of really early forays into uh project management
0: so so sorry uh, to we, jump in just just building infrastructure on the it side of things that's that's where you came up through through it I, or I, or I, I, heavy I, infrastructure
1: I, it was a thing in the future when i started <laughs> things were very mechanical the, the world of electronics was uh, you fill a room with something and you got it to say yes gotcha. <laughs> it was that sort of scale yeah you know it, it, it was in the 90s and stuff that um the uh, uh, digital IT world sort of really took hold in in, uh, in, in communications and stuff. Yeah. So, so, so mine, when I talk about building infrastructure in, in that sort of time, it was physical things that you, tangible, you could touch and, and there's a lot of mechanical activities and all that sort of stuff. There was some embryonic um, electronics around doing various things as well. So it wasn't really the arc. But uh, it was definitely, uh, yeah, the old world, as they say, the good old days. <laughs> and, um, I, I like this project activity, I like, it sort of had my uh, name stamped all over it, really. Uh, I liked um, having control of things, I liked uh, working out problems, I liked planning activities and all that good stuff that goes into a, uh, making a project uh, successful. Uh, and and uh, my career sort of built up from that, really. Uh, it was, um, working on, um, uh, te- technology moving later on into the IT, uh, space. And I did, uh, I left corporate sort of world in the, um, end of, end of 2001. I, I, i explored, I think as much as I needed to in large corporates working for them, yeah, you know, large, large scale teams and all that sort of stuff. And, and the, uh, the interests weren't quite the same. Um, and I fancied this idea of going um, branching out and doing things myself in a consultancy or a contracting type way of working. Uh, and, and that's what I did. Timing was really bad because I just left the uh, corporate world when 9 uh, 11 hit. So the world sort of went into meltdown. Uh, and uh, it was really tough times without a doubt for everyone, you know, <laughs> uh, lots of people, obviously, in the US at the time of nine eleven, uh, i was running a workshop in the uk and we had uh i had 20 30 people from the us as part of that workshop that i was running um so it was just horrendous really really was a sad time anyway moving on from that bit so i went um i went into consulting uh, and i worked with a couple of guys that uh, i got friendly with and uh, we had a lot of rapport and um, uh, different skill sets and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and we did some uh, outsourcing to um, uh, India, uh, back office activities to India, uh, and a little bit to South Africa of call center uh, activities. uh And then um, around that sort of time, so that would be what, 20 years ago ish, PMO kept popping up and lots of conversations that were going on. And and I'd, I'd like most people, I'd seen PMOs being like a, uh, a support, really a very basic support, support function mm. that would you know, um, do a lot of the routine activities for you, mm. um, take some of the weight, the heavy lifting from the programme manager or the project manager and that type of stuff. Mm. Uh, but at that sort of time, people were talking about these um, uh, new ways of working they were talking about the, um, setting up the more strategic types of PMO and, and portfolios were starting to be a term that was coming around. Um, so, so that sort of piqued my sort of interest a little bit mm-hmm. in, in, in all of my career. I've, I've worked in, um, uh, corporate global technologies for all of my career. So the, um, they've all been large organizations that generally. I've had a leading edge type activity and things that have been happening.
2: Mm.
1: So as I said, I went into consulting contracting. I um, was peaked, My interest was peaked in in PMO. My first my first sort of uh, gig in that space, uh, which, which I'll talk about in a little while, but my first gig in that place was quite surprising and interesting. What what I thought was going on wasn't really what was going on, <laughs> but, I'll touch on, that. but I'll, I'll touch on that when I, when I get there. Uh, but another aspect of what I've been sort of focusing on in the last um, four or five years is uh, networking. Uh, the, in the northwest of England, uh, we didn't really have a lot of networking events going on. There was tremendous amount happening in London, as you mm-hmm. might imagine, in the capital. Uh, but in the, in the north, there was not really a lot. You had probably a handful over the year, and mm-hmm. and I thought we were miss I felt we were missing out, and we were missing out to be honest. Yeah. Uh, And I did ask a number of people to try and start some things off. Uh, That didn't quite go in the direction that I wanted it to. So I I bit the bullet and um, started doing it myself. So with a a couple of friends uh, uh, to help me, uh, I set up uh, PMO North. And our first round of events was in Manchester City Centre. Typical sort of scenario. All face-to-face, of course, in that time. Uh, typical scenario of um, um, someone who was an expert in an area coming along talking for 40 minutes Mm -hmm. bit of Q&A and I got a bit of um, uh, one-to-one networking opportunities which went down really well so I did uh, I focused on Manchester for the first eight nine months then uh, I'm not going to say anything at all about that (laughs) then (laughs) then then moved to Liverpool and set up one in Liverpool, uh, uh, got that one going as well, uh, and then moved into Leeds and started on the uh, northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and just after uh, getting going with the um, Leeds activity, the the pandemic obviously uh, took hold, and and mm-hmm. that started stopped the expansion activity because uh, the next step was to go further up the northeast and then
0: into um, Glasgow and Edinburgh or well, they wouldn't understand you up, you wouldn't understand you up there you can't can't expand that far <laughs> or maybe that's just me um what kind of uh, what kind of crowd are you getting um so you know i've been gone 18 years this year and whilst pmos were a thing when when i was there of course because that's where i started my career there was no scene at all back, back yeah. then um so i'm just really keen and you know, Sydney is not really a comparable kind of geographic, a bit bigger than the north, smaller than London. What kind of um, attendance are you getting at these kind of local meetups? So, so it was always,
1: it, I always have around in mind that there were going to be uh, free events, open to everyone coming along. Uh, it was going to be a, a zero cost activity. So, uh, I was reliant on um, speakers coming along for free and to share their knowledge etc and uh, local businesses uh, opening up some of their space to host the event for me
2: mm.
1: which i had tremendous uh, support with
2: mm.
1: i was really surprised how many people were out there that wanted to help i thought it was going to be really a real struggle yes. i really really did but that that wasn't the case at all uh, and um there are some if you if you take starting off in manchester as a as an example yeah. There are um, two or three really large companies uh, who have, you know, hundreds of um, project managers, PMO people, program managers, directors, etc., uh, and the rest of the teams that, that make up uh, change, etc., in the city centre. And um, prior to setting up, I had some conversations around: is this something worth doing, and, and those types of things, you know, uh, and right from day one um i'm getting sort of like 15 to 20 people nice. attending yeah I, I was on it was only ever aimed at um you know like 20 people as an average
2: yeah.
1: uh i now get about between 15 and 30 sort of people coming yeah. uh to a, to a session generally yeah unless i've mistimed it and, and uh, manchester united are playing or uh, liverpool are playing or <laughs> at home we were and never
0: going to get through a whole a whole conversation without football coming up, were we? It was never going to happen. And, and
1: then that's it. <laughs> yeah. You don't get anybody. You don't get
0: anyone, yeah. yeah. Or or, yeah. or an England World Cup qualifier or something and then everyone just stays home. Yeah.
1: And, and, and um, again, a focused on PMO activities right at the very beginning, yeah. but now it's much wider now. Okay. So I'm now talking about portfolio management. I'm talking about change management. Uh, I'm even getting some like uh, soft skill type activities as well, so it's it's much much broader. <laughs> and one of the key premises that I operate with it is that it it should have a takeaway to it. Mm-hmm. So you know it needs to be interactive, so that uh, people don't feel like they're not included. Uh, mm-hmm. And generally, that works well. But there has has to be a message that comes out of it, something you can take away and put into practice the day after. Mm-hmm. And that's been one of the key points in um, people attending yep. you do get a following but the following does rotate and mm-hmm. and, and and what i do find is that it, attendance is topic centric yep. so if somebody's uh, for example uh, about to do some work on resource management there'll be lots of people want to come and talk about mm-hmm. resource management either to refresh their understanding of what good practice is or to understand what gaps they might have and things like that. Yeah. So I, I do get some really good feedback. And uh, over the pandemic, we uh, I've been put I've put more events on. Uh, certainly at the beginning because the I felt there was a need with people um, starting working from home. Um, it would help as a distraction from mm-hmm. home life pressures and demands on work life pressures and demands. And and if you've got a few friendly faces on the that you can have a chat to, you know, an open chat, uh, then that would sort of help as well as still doing the talks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that's that's PMO North. It's going from strength to strength. This this year, uh, I've got some a theming aspect to it. So Q1 is is all about portfolio management. Q2 is going to be about change management. Q3 is detailed within projects, and Q4 for the end of the year will be all about innovation. So got quite a lot going
0: on in that space. Yeah, so, sounds exciting. Let's uh, let's come back to PMO North because I've got heaps of questions around that. Um, I think we can learn a lot actually in in our Sydney community. Uh, I think we need to do some more things like that, and, and we're trying to, to to play our part in that. But let's park that for a second because I'm desperate to get back to your first role and um, how it wasn't what it appeared to be. Um, yeah. So.
1: As I said, about 13 years ago, I was obviously working in, in, in the project space at the time. I had PMO people, uh, working in teams, um, uh, for me. Um, but they were, they were the old school activities, you know, so they'd keep your calendar up to date they'd do some reports for you, mm. they'd do that type of thing, 10 minutes and things like that. Mm. Uh, and I was asked to, um, uh, work on a. Um, an EPM, EPMO, um, an executive type PMO, one that was more strategic in nature. So I had quite a lot of, of chats before uh, moving into the role with the guy that I was working for or supporting. And um, I'd obviously um, taken uh, some views from people that I knew that worked in strategic planning and various other things and strategic management uh, and and the the, the idi I'd, I'd obviously formulated an idea about what I was looking to do. So yeah. it, it had some of the elements of um, uh, a classic PMR because you, you still need to be able to uh, do reporting but at a rolled up level. Mm. Um, you still needed to manage um, risks at a higher level, more corporate facing perhaps, rather than uh, the nitty gritty of a project. So I had a, a, sort of the, the 10 sort yes. of key elements of, uh, what you would expect to see uh, within a piano uh, and um, what I hadn't done so let me let me do the negative bit what I hadn't done which I'm now a big believer in I hadn't had enough conversations with the person that wanted me to set it up so I'd had conversations and I'd made lots of copious notes around what they wanted but you know this communication things you know somebody says one thing. You listen to it, you hear something else. You play some of it by, oh, that's right, I'm fine now. And you move on to the next item. We we weren't quite in line in terms of what was was expected. So I was airing in one direction, and what they really wanted was something that had a very strategic value. So it wasn't about the management of the day-to-day activities that they were interested in. It was more the longer-term planning. And that hadn't come out of the uh, conversations. Yes, so when I started yes. uh, working with them to build up the reporting and the planning and the roadmaps and all that sort of stuff, I was weighting it towards the um, here and now reality, rather than running workshops and stuff around the strategic plans, getting the vision and strategic alignment right, looking at what outcomes we need to be delivering. So there was a gap. So. Not, not that it was a major problem, because it was a big learning curve from my perspective, mm. you know? uh, and and I think to be honest, it was a learning curve from the person that I was setting this up for, because yeah. I don't think they they, they had actually they weren't fully clear in their mind what they wanted as well.
0: Well, but sometimes as well, you can't get the strategic level unless you've got an understanding of what's going on at the at the lower level. You kind of yes. often need to do, you know, you can't provide a, a, an executive or an enterprise level report unless you've got some good data from from underneath, and quite often that is a learning curve for executive teams and, and PMO sponsors because they just see the the. I'm accused of doing this all the time, by the way. They just have the vision for the end result um, and don't necessarily focus on the uh, on the on the day to day to get there. It's just I want I want B. But you need a yeah. first.
1: Yep, yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and 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 if you you think of it from a um, top down and a bottom up uh, perspective,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so obviously the co- the corporate organisation has got quite of strong views about vision um, and some translation into strategy and what they're trying to do, etc. And and they have already had projects working. It wasn't new to not have projects. But there was no, there was no relationship between the two. You couldn't see how the programs and projects were actually meeting the strategic objectives and goals of the organization.
2: Mm.
1: And, and it, it took quite a lot of um, uh, discussions and negotiations and um, selling to come up with a gap filler, you know, so you've got the strategy. What is it you're trying to achieve? What outcomes are you trying to achieve? And then when you've got the outcomes how does that then translate into practical um outputs and deliverables that people can work on mm. you know, how do you bundle them up how long is something going to take what's the priorities of them you know? mm. so it took quite a while to get that going so it was a quite a big you know it was a a big steep learning curve for me there's no doubt about it and it was re- extremely rewarding to, to be honest um uh, because at the end of the day it was a very efficient functioning activity that was looking at um, five, three, and an eighteen months um, roadmap planning with um, real—not uh, real time. i was gonna say real time. Real time at that time was um, you know a few weeks behind, but real <laughs> re- real time-ish <laughs> information about progress and performance and how things yeah. were. Uh, Uh, aligning and what was in jeopardy and uh, coming through the reporting now we've moved on totally from from that 13 years ago we've now got this new terminology around data and data's now become the big buzzword that you need to be able to you know read and take in all this information and data because we've got so much of it now Mm -hmm. it's it's really difficult to understand and certainly here in the uk there's a lot of activity going on in trying to uh create uh, information from the data mm. so having some standard ways of um, uh, stripping out the information for example using power bi as yes. as a as a tool uh to take the uh, uh, raw information that's the raw data that's there mm. create some information from it Providing some insight of what's happening real time ish, mm-hmm. um, and because real time is only as good as the speed of which the information's coming in. Yeah, and we're, we're not really autonomous that, that are physically um, um, putting stuff in every second of the of, oh. of the day, you know. So it's mm-hmm. real time ish, uh, and then using that to look at um, from an analysis perspective and look at what's what's potentially coming up because you and i both know that we all have biases hmm. so you sit there and you look at this information that's come out a plan being a um a plan or a roadmap plan on a page whichever it is it doesn't really matter but looking at that looking at how much work you've done from your ms project plan um what's coming up as the milestones and we we do an interpretation and we make unconscious biased decisions around, oh, yeah, that's going to work all right. That's going mm-hmm. to work all right. And, and and we come up and say, the future says in the next six weeks, we're going to hit all these things. The future says in the next six months, we're going to hit all these things. Mm-hmm. Looks really good. We're green. Red, cameras <laughs> and greens.
0: you talked about power bi and microsoft project there we find um a lot of our clients uh use those tools here as well are you finding there your dominant tool sets over there right now no i'm not no no
1: so so it's it's um it's as i said it's really hot topic and it's been a hot topic for at least two years Mm -hmm. and and uh north has run some sessions uh, all about, yeah, about P, uh, oh, Power BI. Got too, we have too many terms and acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm just going to digress now. So I'm, I'm sure you're in a, door. you go from one industry to another industry and the acronyms all sound the same, but they don't mean the same. So you, you've got to acquire this knowledge as you move along. Yeah. Anyway, so with, with Power BI, it's it's a hot topic. There are uh, lots of hackathons going on uh, where people are coming together. There's a lot of work going on in the NHS uh, at the moment with um, um, building solutions for project reporting. Uh, some of the oil companies are involved in stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen some stuff around security and facial recognition and various other things coming out mm-hmm. of the data coming out of it. But in the corporate world that I'm involved in, it's very niche. Yeah. It's not across the piece. So there's a, a so I'm currently doing some, oh maybe I shouldn't say. I'm currently doing some something with a pharmaceutical organization global pharmaceutical organization. and um, and they're um, they use Power BI, they use all the yeah. letters tools and techniques <laughs> uh, within IT and within parts of the business. But it's restricted. Yeah. So the project world, which is a really good place to be using it, isn't using it. It's not in the tool set. So whilst it's a very hot topic and people want to be involved in it, it's that lag that we want it, we use it, just like AI. AI is used in financial services, Mm -hmm. a a tremendous amount of machine learning and all the rest. Mm -hmm. But it's restricted in areas. It's not in the normal run-of-the-mill areas with people running a project. Mm. It hasn't moved and migrated into BAU. Yeah. It's still that leading end, seen as that short leading end activity okay. uh, that people want to use. So I don't know yeah. what you're finding within uh, Australia.
0: Um, we're finding that there's a real push towards using tools. So PPM tools specifically in, in our space. Uh, making sure that data is consolidated. We're seeing, um, it's funny, you know, because a lot of people find it just easier to use the Microsoft tool sets because a lot of places are Microsoft shops already and Microsoft are making it so easy now. They incorporate, everything's on the SharePoint platform, be it Microsoft Project or Power BI. or So they make that very, very easy. Um, but some organizations, and this goes right across a real mix, public sector, private sector, um, there's a there's there's no trends in, in each. Um, more and more organizations are wanting to consolidate project data somewhere. They're wanting more and more interfaces than ever before, either to JIRA or to SAP or wherever their ERP system is. Um I other than business objects, I've got no feel for what kind of data analytics tools are being used. Um, probably 10 years ago we've seen a lot more um business objects and, and data cubes. Yeah. And, and I don't know whether I'm not as close to it anymore or, or business objects, is, uh, sorry, Power BI is now just a default. I, I don't know, I've got no feel for it, but PPM tools are a really hot topic here uh, and that integration piece. So so yeah, it's, um, it's uh, probably at least half of what we are doing now as a business has got tentacles into systems and tools which is the the most it's ever been
1: tooling's a really interesting topic isn't it really yeah and a a wide topic and and you can go through lots of depth and and chatting about it
0: what's interesting to me is when when i started working in the project space in 90 (coughs) somewhere around the late 90s um the organization i worked for big northwest company We're using Primavera P6 integrated into SAP R3. I'm giving my age away here with these um, tools. And the integration was seamless. Um, And I, young, naive child that I was, thought that's how the world was. And I honestly, I don't think seen that maturity um, hardly, if ever, since then. So I knew it was possible. I knew the benefits of doing it that way and, and setting it up. So you had, you know, your work breakdown structure aligned to your cost breakdown structure and the whole thing linking to the project schedule. So I thought that's how the world was. Um, yeah. so, so, I also went on a bit of a learning journey, um, you know, asking, Oh, can't we just do this? And apparently you can't just do this in in most organizations. So yeah, I started off in really mature environment around tool sets and, and I've, only now am I starting to see this integration. And I think it's to do with the prevalence of these Microsoft tools and the ease of which they seem to integrate. Um, only now am I starting to see, 20, 20 years later, starting to feel like this is the way things are done now, which is mind, mind-boggling when you think about it. 20 years is a long time.
1: Yeah, it is. And and um, it's such a tremendous challenge, I think, selecting tools as well. Mm. And, and how easy they integrate together. Because everybody throws the API term around everywhere, but reality says that well, it doesn't quite support that. And and you go and buy something, and it doesn't have one of the functionalities that you thought you were going to get at the depth you needed.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it is a, it is a big uh, learning curve. And, and certainly uh, PPM tooling is a big market in the UK. Mm um there are all shapes all sizes um i am like you i generally just say if you haven't got anything and you're using microsoft now of some description mm. just go straight to the microsoft product set mm. because it is fully integrated you can take small version versions of the planner or you can go further and get a bigger you know bigger version of something uh, whatever's appropriate for you and and, and that sort of stuff, you know, but I, I I, I always caution, if anybody asks me about it, I always caution them. Do you really know what you want it to do? Because if you don't, then why are you getting it? Because they're all come vanilla and you have to do something with them. And if you don't know what it is that you want to do with them before you get it, um, it can be very tortuous path for the PMs and and the managers that are using it.
0: Well, it can be a huge waste of effort as well. You know, if you don't, if if you get something bigger than you need, or you don't know what you need, then it can be a, it can be a real, real waste. So there's, you know, I put some store by the philosophy that if you wait till you're completely ready, you'll never be ready. But also you have to be a bit ready. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and you know we're constantly treading this this balance between you know almost ready let's let's go and um we'll, we'll be ready in three years time so it's, uh,
1: well it's obviously uh, a journey you, you yeah. need to take it as treat it as a journey yeah
0: know? yeah
1: uh, and you need to put the uh funding in to make sure that you can do future iterations yeah you know?
0: and change management that's that's a big one for, for me Making sure that it's not just an IT project; it is actually a business change project. Yeah. Um, again, we've we've yeah. seen a couple of these not go super smoothly over the years, and that's it's either requirements don't know what we want, or treating it as an IT project when it when it actually should be that whole journey.
1: If if you treat something like that as an IT project, then it'll never succeed because it'll just be a tool. And yeah. it won't be a solution to a business problem or a business yeah. need. I agree. So I'm I'm a great believer in thinking joined up. So we've well, I don't know, over the last fifteen years or so, we've become more and more siloized in terms of projects and change management. Mm-hmm. We've we've now uh, created these um, fiefdoms of things. So I'm a project manager I sit in my project management tower I'm a change manager I sit in my change tower I'm an analyst I sit in my analyst tower etc cetera, etc cetera. and and we've we've created this cottage industry that supports each one of those towers mm-hmm. so you can have a selection of methodologies to support your project management tower you can have a selection of methodologies and approaches to support your uh, change management tower, and and heaven forbid any of them would be joined up and <laughs> talk to each other, and and the if you are a sponsor or a business owner business owner for a for a program or a project or a change initiative, you've got all these different towers coming to you, telling you their version of the truth. So one one of the things that um, I'm a great believer is is joining all that up. I think that's one of the key things that the PMO solves yeah. and certainly from a, um, a program or a portfolio perspective, it brings all those pieces together to give one single status update, for example, mm. one state, single view of the milestones for something, one single view of the, um, insight for what's going on and what's the priority. Yeah. Yeah, because the priorities and change management are the different priorities so we have lots of dependencies between the towers, really nice. <laughs> so I thought we were all working on the same project I thought we were all <laughs> working <laughs> on the same initiatives trying yeah. to deliver nice. this outcome for the business you know Yeah. yeah. yeah so I've, certainly that's something that I've seen become very prevalent mm-hmm. and to support all of that we've created all these badges so, so <laughs> okay. badges of honour for, um, I'm a professional in this area.
0: Mm. You're dangerously close to one of my soapbox topics.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And the other other thing I keep coming across, and I mentioned it right at the beginning because it was a learning curve on communications. We definitely don't don't speak enough within these teams, discuss things enough to make uh, things clear to everyone what's going on we we seem to operate this well i know what's going on yeah Mm -hmm. i've told i've told my um immediate supervisor manager boss or i've told the sponsor um i've I've told two other people that need to report it that's it now i don't need to tell anybody else that's fine Mm -hmm. and everybody's working on a different sort of version of the truth so really and and breaking that down can be extremely difficult. And especially now we're in this, um, working on a flat screen basis and we're not together in a room because at least you could bring people together in a workshop and you could you could draw little squiggly things on the on the whiteboard and and people, you could see, you know, that dome. Oh, I really didn't think that was what we were doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's tough, isn't it? That's the, I, I'm, it I'm not enjoying Exclusive. we're working I think exclusively remotely at the moment last year we managed to get a, a few bits of face-to-face work in at least partially but um I'm hoping that um, and I think you guys are a bit ahead of us given the announcement today um that you're going to drop all your COVID restrictions I'm hoping that kind of from from next month we'll start to do at least some back in the office because when you are um trying to solve business Problems and challenges. Then it, the the power of getting a group of people together and getting on that whiteboard cannot be overstated. So yeah, I'm I'm right with you. The um you've you've touched on on some of the key challenges. I think I certainly agree with communications and this siloed piece. What other um challenges do you see every time that you go to either set up a new PMO or or reboot a PMO? What are what are the what are the common themes there as well as communication?
1: Um, I, th- I think some of the things that um, always crop up, apart from communications and being joined up.
0: Because I agree that the are 100% challenges on yeah. pretty much everything.
1: It, it's um, we, we operate uh, now in the UK with lots of uh, consultants and contractors on programmes. So the, the current one that I'm on has um, two permanent people on it. 20 odd contractors, a couple of consultants, and um, probably a couple of hundred people from the business perspective. And when you bring external people into your organization, they all bring with them ways of working. And very few organizations spend time at the beginning, To bring everybody up to the same level, to the same understanding, get them all on the same page. It's not the induction about the organisation; it's about the way of working. Mm -hmm. And you, you know as well as I do that you form habits over the over the years in ways you prefer to work, ways you prefer to operate. And the biggest thing I see is that um, uh, people bring the their best way of working to the organization, which doesn't mean to say that that's uh, um, you know, wildly different from what's going on, mm. but it means that it doesn't fit together properly. So if you've worked in, if, if, it's, if you're an agile organization and you're working in IT following yeah. agile precisely, and you've come from a different organization, you can guarantee that their, their way of agile working will be different because we interpret things as, as, as organizations. There, there is no off-the-shelf item that I don't think anybody is using. We modify them, change them, take the bits that fit with the organization you're working with yeah. uh, and, and, and fit into the organization that you're working with. Some people, some organizations are really money conscious, mm-hmm. not by how long things take, but as long as it doesn't spend more than they've allowed. Mm-hmm. Some people, it must happen on the date they've said. If you're working in a regulatory organisation, it's got to happen on that time. And money's yeah. not an, an object, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that one of the key messages I would give to anyone starting to set something up, whether it be a new project, whether it be a programme, whether it be a PMO, whatever it is, you must make sure that everybody understands the way it's got to happen. Mm-hmm. Now it's a good function of the PMO to do that as part of some coaching uh, activities, and I'm a great believer in documentation, although that's now going out of fashion. But I'm a great believer in documentation.
0: Yeah, you and me both.
1: Uh, <laughs> I know. I know we're all operating in an agile way now, um, but it shouldn't
0: uh, be. It's it's not agile. Doesn't. Um, and again, this is another one of my soapbox topics. Nobody would argue that being agile being lean, being efficient, being fast. There's no bad in any of that. But when you yeah. do it at the expense of planning, governance, um, documentation, then there is bad in that. So I don't know. Um, and again, we've um, had a lot of work over the last couple of years, in in particular where that agile pendulum has swung too far. And, you know, in particularly in, in the... The public sector, they do have budgets. They do have fixed scope. They do have fixed price contracts. The agile pendulum can't be all over the, all the way over to the right. It needs to swing somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah. And so you're absolutely right. There is a feeling sometimes that documentation is going out of, out of fashion. You know, who needs a project schedule? Um, but that's in in my opinion. I'll, I'll be candid. That's garbage um in most if you're running a startup out of your garage you can be as agile as you want if you're running a public sector project with taxpayer money um you'll really need to be swinging somewhere in the middle of that agile pendulum so i'll stop ranting now
1: (laughs) yeah and 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 obviously PMOs have got in, in different industries more of a bad name than others i i have i've really not got my head around this to be honest so if you if you say you're a project manager everyone's happy with that uh, people understand what you're meant to be doing you you're delivering something you know whether it be in an agile way a waterfall way you're following Excellent. some things you'll go and talk to people you'll have a plan you'll do that blah 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 you do all that sort of stuff if you're a change manager and you're working with the business you you'll approach them and you look at ODs and you'll look at communications and you you'll do all that and everybody understands that when you say PMO, it's like, well, it turns the back and it's like, well, what's that? And it's like, it's, it's one of the most vital pieces within an organization that's working in a, this um, project or change uh, way of working, which everyone is, you know. And, and, and it's, it's that, it's, it's that eyes and ears for the senior management team. It's that honest broker, uh, impartial to what's going on, reporting the truth. Uh, It should be the go-to area for any understanding about what you're doing, but you know, as a first stop. Uh, And it's there providing um, information, guidance, advice, coaching. You
0: know, it doesn't have to
1: manage things because it generally doesn't manage things. Uh, But it does that uh, interpretation of insight and foresight and gives that honest broker view. And, And it's really strange that this particular word is very emotive yeah. yeah it's really i find it really strange uh and and for a number of years now i've been saying well we should call it something else because the word is the, the title is you know is, is has got some heavy baggage with it
0: we um we did a conference down in canberra about three years ago now four years ago maybe even and um we had all our banners, our company banners that say, you know, a specialist to PMO. And and um, and I was chatting and Canberra, um, for those that don't know, obviously the nation's capital, we're all our, our federal public servants. So seats of, seats of government, all the public servants, all military, a lot of the projects that go on around Canberra tend to be defensive, be it technology or building submarines or whatever it is. Um, and I was chatting to someone, and and he was asking what I did, and you know I talked about PMO, and he he looked blankly and said, "Sorry, P- PMO, Prime Minister's Office." That's <laughs> exactly what it is. <laughs> but that's what that's what they are. So when we go to Canberra now, we talk about project controls. Um, that's the language we use, um, and in some that's industries, okay. that's that's more and more of the term that's used. I mean, I've, I've always used them, you know, within the PMO, you do project controls. That's always the way I've kind of talked about it. But yeah, the, there was blank blanks, blanksters around the term PMO.
1: Yeah, project controls is a, is a um, recognized activity in the UK as well, mm. as as part of the PMO. Yeah. Because project controls only provide um, some aspects of what you'd expect to see from um um, the the pmo so if we as we started beginning saying about Mm EPMOS, if you're working at that strategy level and you're involved in that sort of stuff the controls is a function that provides you with that information that you need for for your reporting for Mm -hmm. your forecasting for all the other things that go on
0: so more around those hard skills right so around time and cost and risk and and, and quantifiable metrics
1: which doesn't get any flag so i've never heard anyone criticize project controls oh it's black and white isn't it project controls yeah that's right because it's that it's that function that provides that hard stuff yeah Yeah. Uh, and um, that's why i think that the pmo title should be something else i don't know what it should be because we've had transformation management we've had value management
0: integrated
1: management intelligent management we've had all sorts of different things that i've heard over yeah. the years but i'm not sure what it should be but
0: i'm getting old and it's grumpy a business function i'm getting old is and grumpy the... and, and i'm very much about calling a spade a spade and i'm i'm gonna fight for the term piano because that's what it is
1: <laughs> cool, cool.
0: That's so
1: i hope i've given you a, a flavor of um, you know when i'm sort of done and what we've been doing, and
0: yeah, no, that's like that. it's been been great. It's been really good to hear some of your learnings and your observations. um To round out the chat, um, if you were going to give advice to somebody where you were thirteen years ago, starting on this p, p this PMO management journey, what advice would you would you give them about the career that they've got in front of them?
1: So, um, there's three things that come to mind. First one is that you need to understand what it is you're trying to do, what you want from this role, what you want from your career. So um, is this something new that you're going into? So you're you're in another bit of the organisation. You want to move into project management and you see this central type function as a stepping stone. So you want to be a project manager or a programme manager. Or are you a programme manager who likes um, this central type activity and you want to move into that? so you need to really understand what you're doing it for because if you don't you won't get value from it you won't get satisfaction from it so you need to think about it before you move into yeah. it next thing i would suggest is that you check what transferable skills you've got so if you know which which area you're going into in your organisation and you understand uh, what the role profiles look like etc try and map what you currently do and see if there's a big gap small gap and work out in your mind how you're going to fill them because whilst you'll have a honeymoon period when you start which everyone does and people there'll be lots of people to help and guide you there is a steep activity that you need to go through and the bigger the skills gap the 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 more stress that creates so you need to understand what transferable skills you bring into it How you might fill those, or how you might look for your organisation to help you fill them, Mm. and then the third thing I would say is um, to help you move through your career. So you you may go into PMO for a period of time, find yourself a mentor, a coach, someone you uh, uh, trust, value, uh, value their opinions, etc., and find someone to uh, as a you know that sounding block that you can go to Mm. and have a chat to about what you want to do because uh, I found that really useful and I've acted as that for a number of people over the years. Yes. And it just allows you to think out loud. So they're, they're, the, they're the three key things because doing the task isn't a problem. You know, you will acquire the skills. Yeah. You, know, you will get experienced in what you're doing. Uh, you will go through the, the curve, you know, the ups and downs of confidence and imposter syndrome and all of those the, the words that we that Come yeah. out now, but you will get them to get to where you want to be mm-hmm. if you focus on it, yeah. Yeah, but make sure that you've got someone to chat with outside your current sphere and team so you're getting something that you feel comfortable with, yeah. And totally that'll, that'll help you move your career forward, yeah. And if PMO is what you want to be, then good luck with it because it is. I, I've really enjoyed uh, my time uh, in there, and you can within PMO, moving to lots of different things. So we talked We talked about um, project controls.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you feel very techy, you can move into that aspect of it. Uh, my uh, my current role is all around governance. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time doing governance and assurance now, and I get a real buzz out of that. Uh, still within the PMO sphere, uh, but more specialized. Mm-hmm. So there are lots of opportunities. And it, it's also it's also a good stepping stone into other activities. So they would be the um, key things that I would uh, recommend to people.
0: Perfect. Jim, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. I um, really appreciate you giving up a an hour of your time. and um, thank you.
1: Thank you, Louise. Um, it's been really nice. I hope somebody gets some value from listening to it. I'm sure they will. Cheers then, all the best.